listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Yeah, let me hear it. I like it. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, welcome to Venice Church. Uh, My name is Matt, and I get the pleasure of being one of the pastors. If today is your first time with us, we are so glad that you're here, and we would love to get to know you a little bit. We don't want to hound you. We're not planning on showing up at your house, but we realize you could be a lot of places today, and the fact that you're here, it means something to us. And our mentality is the moment you walk through those doors, we want to serve you. And anyway, whether you plan on being here just for today or whether you're looking to make this your church home, it doesn't matter. You have walked into our lives now, and we want to love on you and support you and be there for you in any way that we can. And to do that, we just need to get to know you a little bit if you'll allow us. If you just fill out the card that's in front of you in one of those seats. It's got a welcome on the front, on the back of it. Just a few information. If you would fill that out. And as you're leaving this morning, stop by the welcome table. There are a couple ladies there that would love to just personally thank you for worshiping with us and give you just a small token of our appreciation for being here. There is a lot of things happening at our church right now. We're gearing up for a big fall. We're like maybe five weeks away from doing something that's really out of the box. We, on September the 17th, will begin having what we do here on Sunday morning every Monday night. Because we just realized that for a lot of people, weekends just don't work. Uh, You work, you're a first responder, and you have to be at the firehouse three Sundays in a row. Or you worked a 12 last night, and just getting here and trying to stay awake is almost impossible. Like, there are so many people who would love to be a part of a faith community, but circumstances in their lives just don't allow it. And the church finally is having the courage to step outside the box and do something to meet that need. Isn't that cool? Come on. Amen. Let me just tell you about a few things that are happening this week. Next Sunday night, come to, if, you, if you're new to our church and you're kind of like trying to figure out what we're about a little bit more, maybe you've been here for a few Sundays and you're curious a little bit on a deeper level about who we are, what we do, why we do what we do, and maybe how decisions are made around here, how kind of leadership works, how we go about resourcing um, ministries and, and budgeting and those kinds of things that just we, we want to be transparent with. Come to Vintage 101. It's next Sunday night. It's what we call our partnership seminar. You'll be able to learn. I teach that about once a month, and you can get a better in-depth view of who we are as a church. At the end of that time, you'll be given the option if you're maybe ready to partner and make a commitment to our church, and we can tell you what that looks like. So if that's you, um, fill out the, applica- uh, uh, the little registration on the app or stop by the Next Steps area. Wednesday, we have a day of prayer. There's three different time slots on Wednesday, one in the morning, one around lunch, and one in the evening. And maybe you just, you have something on your life and you need to be prayed for. There'll be prayer warriors in this room ready to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, pray over you, just kind of, just allow you to be prayed with, prayed for. Or maybe you're like, you know what, I just need some space because my life is crazy right now and I can't do it at my house and I can't do it at my job, so I just want to come and find a corner. There'll be music playing in here, some scriptures on the screens just to give you a chance just to take some time for the full two hours or for 10 minutes or whatever, just come by and spend some time praying and seeking God in in that unique way. 
One final thing this evening, if you're a parent or a, gar- a guardian of a 6th through 12th grader, um, would you come hang out with me and our student pastor and our kids pastor tonight? Because we want to talk to you about some cool things that we're going to switch up in, in our student and kids ministries um, starting this fall. Um, we have the responsibility of making sure that people have a foundation of faith before they turn 18. Because it's vital. If you just study the statistics, if people don't find Jesus and have a solid faith by that point, they, they most likely never will. And our students, when they leave high school and they step out into the, to certain areas of the world and college campuses, it is essential that they have a foundation of faith. And so just like um, the Monday night services, we're constantly thinking, all right, how can we do this better? How can we do a better job of laying that foundation of faith? And so we have some changes that we want to tell you about. Before they come, we want to tell you why they're coming. And so hang out with us tonight, 6 o'clock. We'll be in Auditorium B because we just constantly are in that mode. Like we constantly believe that we have to look at ourselves and say, are we doing and being the church that God has called us to be? Because Jesus has ordained that his church be the vehicle to take his message to the world. Like, I don't care until this world ends, the church will always have a place. It is God's ordained vehicle to take the gospel to the world. Come on, y'all got to get with me now, okay, all right? I know it's early, y'all used to me a little bit later. Y'all needed more band, didn't you, to get ready for me. Um, but you remember, look at, remember what Jesus said? He said this in scripture, Mark 16, 15. He, Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Like the church's main responsibility is to go into the world and preach the gospel. And if you really look at those words and understand them, you know what that means? Church really begins when it ends in this room. Church is not a place, it's a people. Church is not somewhere really necessarily for us to gather. It's a place for us to send. See, our hope is that gathering is necessary because once every seven days we gather in the hopes that you experience something in this room that inspires you and changes you, helps you better understand who God is and what he desires for your life. And so that when you leave this building that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus that he's called you to be. That's why we gather. We don't gather just just without reason. We gather in order to send. And church begins when you step out those doors and you get in your car and you interact with the people that God has put in your circle of influence. And your job is to go. See, when we're really the church, we understand there's always somewhere to go. There's somewhere to go. There's somewhere for you to go every day of your life. Somewhere to go and be Jesus. Somewhere to go and show love. Somewhere to go and tell somebody about the hope that you have in Christ. The main reason that God gave us the Holy Spirit was to equip us to do this. The Holy Spirit wasn't just to come and and purify you and remove your sins. That's a big part of who he is and what he does. But you remember what Jesus said? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Jesus said when the Spirit comes on you, that you will be empowered and equipped to have what you need to go and be my witnesses. You have somewhere to go. Church, we have a community that needs us to go. We have a world that needs us to go. You have a family member that needs you to go. You have a coworker that needs you to go. And too, too long, the church has huddled. It's great that we have this building, but this building was a means to an end. Amen. This building was not a destination. 
It gives us a new opportunity to be able to gather and inspired. But this building is useless if it doesn't change what you do out there. And I hope you know, you have somewhere to go, but you have something beautiful to give. The gospel, the gospel is the greatest message the world would ever know. The gospel is the only thing that has the power to give people what they're desperately searching for. I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a pretty broken world. All you have to do is turn on the news for five minutes and you see the brokenness of our world. I believe though, like the gospel, it not only has the power to save us spiritually, I think it has the power to make us holistically healthy. I think the power, the gospel has the power to deal with the emotional brokenness, the physical disease, and the spiritual depths of our souls. I believe the gospel is the only thing that can make you and I whole and healthy. And so our job is to be that vehicle that takes the gospel to the world. It's a time that we start being the church more effectively and powerfully than we ever have been. Because when the church is really the church as Jesus created it to be, it radically changes the culture. It radically changes the community. When the church is really, when the church is really functioning the way that God intended it to function, it makes an impact. This church was started because I started reading through the book of Acts and I saw the church doing things in a community that I had never watched with my own eyes and it broke my heart because I know we serve the same God and I know his mission for us has not changed. I read passages like this in the book of Acts. It says all the believers were one in heart and mind. Number one, just to imagine that everybody at church, like unity in the church, ha ha. Can you imagine that we weren't arguing about stupid stuff, but we were united under the vision that Jesus gave for his church. All the believers were one in heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of their possessions, not even their pew, was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Check this out. That there were no needy persons among them. Can you imagine the church so being the church that it eradicated need? See, I'm reminded that meeting needs is the job of the church. Meeting needs is the job of the church. That God has ordained that the church be the agent that meets the needs in its community. It's not the government's job. It's not the, uh, the, the, the job of some other organization. It is the job of the body of Christ to meet needs in its community. So today, we're going to spotlight some of the things that we're doing as a church to meet needs. Some real tangible things that as a church that we have begun or are about to begin in order to meet the needs of the people that God has put 
in front of us. And like I said, one of the most powerful things the gospel has the power to do is, is, is heal people emotionally and free people from bondage that maybe they've struggled with their whole lives. And so in an effort to spread the gospel in this way, we launched a few months ago a Celebrate Recovery program. And God has been doing amazing things. So the first thing I want you to see and, and know about, maybe you don't, you're not familiar with this program, you have no idea the impact that it has, but as the church continues to try to meet needs, we have to creatively think about things that we can do and celebrate recovery as one of those awesome ways that your church is meeting a need in this community and I want you to hear more about it. Check out the screens. Hi, my name is Matt Lind and I'm a grateful addict and alcoholic. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about an amazing program that we run right here at Vintage called Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a faith-based program that allows you a safe place to find community and freedom from issues that are controlling your life. Many people hear the word recovery and think the program is only for addicts or alcoholics. That can't be further from the truth. We have men and women dealing with all types of hurts, hangups, and habits, such as purity, self-worth, codependency, depression, anxiety, abuse, and grief. We follow the Celebrate Recovery program and use the materials created for Celebrate Recovery to work through our hurts, hangups, and habits. As the founder of the program, John Baker, once said, we are all broken. We have all sinned, we've all missed the mark. We are struggling with a hurt, habit, or hangup. My hope is for anyone struggling with any type of hurt, habit, or hangup, will come check out a meeting. Our groups are split into men and women to allow you to connect on a deeper level with someone that may be experiencing the same issues you are. Anonymity is a core value of Celebrate Recovery and we respect the privacy of all who come. We meet every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. right here at Vintage Church. We have childcare available for those of you with children. Don't miss out on an amazing community being built right here that will help you break free from any chains that are holding you back. It's one thing to hear about the details of the program and be inspired. It's another thing to see and hear how it's impacting the lives of people in our community. Would you do me a favor? Would you welcome Gerald White to the platform? I want you to put a face to the power of this ministry. Because this young man right here on Wednesday will celebrate one year of sobriety. Stand on your feet. It's stories like this and so many others that are a reminder of when the church is the church, people are set free. And so today we're going to pray for jail and we're going to pray for this ministry and all that God's going to continue to do through it. And we're going to worship him today and give him all the honor and glory as we continue to seek him this morning. I'm going to invite our ushers to go ahead and make their way to the front. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to celebrate this morning. And I'm going to pray for my friend Gerald. Let's bow. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you're in the business of setting people free and bringing people to healing and wholeness. 
Thank you for ministries like this. Thank you for people in our church like Matt Lynn, who you move and you inspire to launch these types of ministries, Lord, that now is meeting the needs of Gerald and so many others, God. And God, we pray that you would continue to use us to be a place where people find that emotional strength and help that they need through the power of the gospel to step out of things that once held them captive. God, I thank you for Gerald. I pray that you would continue to guard his heart and his mind and his spirit and continue to give him the strength he needs. God, he is victorious in you. And God, he is set free because of you and who you are. Protect him as he continues in this journey. God, help us to continue to support him and so many others who need this church family to give them the support and encouragement to keep moving forward. God, we honor you today. We celebrate who you are and what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Because see, when, when you go back to that passage that I read earlier, where Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you so you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I feel like that, that we need to understand that Jesus was saying more than just a few words here. I think he was giving us a priority list for how we should approach meeting needs as a church. First in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and then beyond. Like, like the, the biggest responsibility in the, in the place where we have the greatest responsibility to meet needs is right in the community that God has put us in. I never have understood how churches throughout time could send money halfway around the world but not help the person in need right down the street. So when it comes to the way that we approach meeting needs we have always kind of made our primary and priority this community and we've done things like this for Randall Middle School because to me the greatest mission field in our entire country will always be the public school it is it's the greatest mission field in the world and, and when you take the time to to meet the needs of of these educators and these students and you relieve the burden of parents it may seem some of you guys you can go to Walmart and you can buy all the school supplies to your kids and it's no big deal but for many in my community that is a difficult expensive task to take on and I love how you responded you heard Jasmine talk about the boxes y'all gonna have to fight after, over them after service because there's only like four left our first service stepped up so much they took most of them yeah But our host team is going to be out there with some supply lists and give you still an opportunity to make a difference. So make sure that you walk by one of our host team members and grab one of those lists. Because we have an opportunity to make a difference in this community. And I wish I had time to tell you about all the things and all the ways that we serve this community on a weekly basis to meet needs. Barely a week goes by where we don't get some opportunity to, to help some family in our community. The relationships that we've built where Monica Handy, who's the guidance counselor at Randall Middle School, if she has a need from a student or a family, guess who she calls first? She doesn't call social services. She calls Vintage Church. And there has been countless number of meals that have been eaten because of your generosity has enabled us to meet that need. You don't know how many single moms have had power during the winter because we were able to help them pay that bill to make sure they had a warm home. In the, like I could go through the list over and over and over again and we have always believed that our primary responsibility, our first responsibility is to serve where God has planted. But we also believe that it's not an either or, it is a both and. We're called to serve Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. It's not just random and let the rest of the world fend for themselves. That we also have a responsibility to be the church locally and globally. That is our responsibility. 
And when this church first began, mainly because our resources were so limited, we didn't want to just spread resources all over the world and barely make a dent in, in 15 different ways in 15 different countries. We firmly believed that God wanted us to plant us in a specific place to have a long and lasting impact on a, on a town, on a community, on a village for years and years and years so that we could go back and so that my kids 20 years from now could go to where we started and see the lasting impact we've had on a country. And when, when that began, I began to pray and God put the nation of Haiti on my heart. I just felt like that's where God was calling us. I had a good friend that was serving as a missionary down there, and it, and it built this relationship. And so far to this point, we've taken three teams and invested over $30,000 in Haiti. We've helped build hospitals and put roofs on churches and, and all kinds of really cool things. But as we've been moving forward, we were taking a team about every other year. And, and it seems like Haiti was just this little little blip of thing that we did. And if you went on a trip, then maybe you, you had a heart for it. And we didn't talk about it enough as a church. And I felt like this year that needed to change. One of the beauties of getting in this facility, it took the energy of set up and tear down off of a lot of our plate. And it gave us the opportunity to start thinking about doing more. And I felt like God was calling us to have a stronger presence in Haiti. And so we're about to launch a partnership with World Hope International, where we're going to be adopting a village in Haiti called Terre Rouge. And we're going to make a $15,000 a year commitment to that village. And we're no longer going to take one team every other year. Our goal is to now take two teams every year down to make a difference in Haiti. We'll be taking a team down in 2019. We're trying to schedule, find a way to schedule two teams down. If you're interested in being a part of those, one of those teams, stop by the Next Steps area. If you've never been on a short-term trip like this, you need to go at least once in your life. It will radically change you. you, you you're, you're never as close to heaven than when you're in a small church in the Saline, the, one of the poorest square miles in all the world, and you hear God's people praying in both English and Creole, and there's this beautiful chorus of the people of God. This partnership is going to give us an opportunity to really make a huge difference. One of the coolest things is today you can actually do child sponsorship through World Hope, partnering with Vintage, partnering to adopt kids from the village that is now our responsibility to care for. That means today you can adopt a child from Terre Rouge and next year go on a trip and look that child in the eye and let him know or her know that you deeply love them and that's why you made the decision to do that sponsorship. How cool is that? And if you've never done child sponsorship, and, or maybe you're thinking it's, it's something, you don't know where the money's going, you don't know kind of how all this stuff is working, and we, we made sure we partnered with one of the best organizations in the world at serving places like Haiti. And your child sponsorship makes a difference. But once again, I didn't want to just tell you, I wanted to show you. Because today you get to hear from a child who is now a man who is the product of child sponsorship and I want you to hear the difference they has made in his life. Would you welcome my new friend Tony Corrette to the platform.
Have a seat. I wish he could, I, I would love for him to speak the whole thing in Creole, but I wouldn't understand it, neither would you, but it is such a beautiful language. Uh, Tony is actually, works for World Hope, and is going to be our point, point person in Haiti um, as we take teams down, and you cannot be around Tony for more than about five minutes and know that God is all over his life, and he is an awesome man of God, and I'm honored to have him here. And the first thing I want him to do is tell you the story of how he came to Jesus, because it really resonates with what we do here as a church. Um, bonjour. It's, it's really good to be here. It's, I bring you greetings from Haiti and from the staff of World Hope from all over the world. But it's been amazing since I landed on Friday night, taking care of a wonderful family from this church. Um, had so much fun, and I'm, I've been amazing since I got here, and then the, the music is just like, uh, put me in heaven. Uh, this morning, I was very emotional, and then I thought I was gonna be okay, and then the next time, it's the same. I was like, wow, <laughs> I just can't get over it. But it's just amazing, because it brings me back to when I was very young, um, in Haiti, we didn't have lights at night, but there was this service, maybe a mile away, and the guy was using a, a megaphone, and he would speak as loud as he can, and you can hear it from wherever. And I just, every night, from maybe 7 o'clock or 6.30, he started, and I just go up the hill next to my, my parents' house and just sit there for maybe like two hours and just listen to the singing and just love it. And I've done it for maybe a week, and my mom come up one night, she's like, what are you doing in the dark by yourself? I was like, you can't hear that wonderful noise, the, the, the singing, the, the guy talking? She's like, whatever. <laughs> she doesn't get it. Because at the time, we, the presence of voodoo was so strong, that's all you hear everywhere you go. But to have something different, mm. and then attracting you to it, it was totally amazing, and for me, that was when God really started bringing me to, um, to him and starting to work in my life. So do you hear that? It was because the church was so loud. Yes. That it drew Tony yes. to the gospel. And this morning, every day, every evening, in Haiti we have a lot of services, it continues. Mm. And we have women on Sundays that don't walk, can't go out because they have to do... Um, stuff at home, and that music get to them every morning. Their morning, I walk around and I, I talk to people. I can hear people singing, men or women, because the music is coming from the church. It's the, all the windows are open, and everybody can hear it. So people don't even have to go to church and be able to worship. Mm -hmm. And the, the song and the music and the, the message get even softer in the ears, and they're able to worship in mm -hmm. silence and have a wonderful time. I've seen it, and it worked so much. And then this morning, I was like, okay, this is too awesome for me. So, so you were a sponsored child. Talk about the impact child. and how, yes. how child sponsorship impacted you and how it impacts kids in Haiti. Um, sponsored, sponsored program of World Hope is, is amazing. Um, as soon that when I started going to church, there was a lady who called me up one, one, one afternoon. She's like, I have a four o'clock service. Do you want to come to it? I was like, four o'clock? She's like, yeah, it's amazing. Four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 4 a.m. <laughs> and, and I said yes, because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So she's <laughs> like, 
And then even before four o'clock, she was knocking on the door, and my mom's like, "What do you need?" And I need Tony. We're going to church. She's like, "You going to church at four o'clock in the morning?" I was like, "Yeah." So she and I, this, she's about sixty, and she picked me up every morning. And and at the end of maybe about a week, and I decided that I'm gonna accept Christ. Mm-hmm. And I go up, I walk up to the altar, and then I tell the pastor I need to accept Christ, and we start a, we start a fight. It's like. <laughs> You already know Christ. I was like, no, I've never made the prayer. He's like, no, you are a Christian. I was like, no, we have never made. So we're just like fighting back and forth. I'm like, dude, just pray, okay? Just, just make the prayer. Come on. And then he's like, okay. Um, so he, he asked someone actually to pray with me. He's like, oh, Tony doesn't think he's a Christian. But that was the, only, that was the first day I've ever really accepted Christ. Mm. I've always attracted but accepted it. And that same morning was the morning a friend of mine was running and looking for me around 6 o'clock in the morning saying that the missionaries are looking for you because they have a, a sponsorship program. They want to put you in it. Mm. I was like, okay, whatever that <laughs> means. And that was from day on, I started uh, to receive sponsorship. Wow. And my life have changed so mm. much. But before that happened, I was struggling so much going to school because my parents was not able to pay for my tuition. And in Haiti, a lot of the students that we are supporting now didn't have the way to go to, to pay for the tuition or have the uniforms. If you don't have your uniforms, you like a shame mm. for the family. So when you go to school, teachers will kick you out just to shame your family and friends will make fun of you. And that's a big deal. Parents will go without food just to be able to provide a uniform. And at some point, we couldn't really pay for tuition. We got the uniforms, the tuition was very challenging. And when, you, when they want to shame you, they, be, they come in, the, in your classroom and call up your names. And what you need to do is to get up, pick up your stuff, and go home and tell your parents, I was shamed today, you have to go and pay your fees. And most of the time, they don't have it. Mm. And what I do every time they kick me out, I was like, oh my gosh, we do that again, all right. See you later. See you tomorrow. He's like, you better bring your parents tomorrow. And I just go around the classroom and then go back in my classroom. <laughs> when, when he goes to another class, and I just kind of like sneak around and go back in my room, in my classroom, <laughs> and, and sit there for, for every day. I do the same thing. And one day, he called me up. He's like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, oh my goodness. I don't want to talk to that guy. Because I know I own money. We never take care of business. And I know he's going to talk about that. And I tried to run from the gate. He called me up. He's like, come back here. I need you. And he put me in his, in his office and talked to me about how awesome I was doing in school. And he said, you know what? You love, going, you love coming to school. You can come to school without worrying about me kicking you out. But before you get to see your report card, your parents have to pay for your tuition. And that's all I needed to hear. I, don't want, I didn't even know, care about the grades. I just need to be in school and have, have fun with my friends. And as soon as that sponsorship started, I didn't have to worry about it anymore. And God took care of that business very fast, and school became really awesome for me. And I thought, you know, it was, it was the end. And I met one guy from Miami, from Florida. I was, it was a pilot. And he, we, we, spent, we spent like an hour together, and he's like, okay. He called the missionary that I knew. He said, I met this guy named Tony. I think I need him to come to my school. I want to give him a full scholarship so he can finish his high school. 
And the missionary was like, oh, are you serious? And they called me up and tried to explain that to me. I was like, what is a full scholarship anyway? <laughs> I didn't know what that is. So I was like, okay. And I worked and I ended up um, graduating from high school and his school, a private school. And then while I was in high school, people were calling up, I think we need to send Tony to college. And people were just coming out and, and contribute to send me to college. And since then, I realized, wow, there's something's going on because where I come from, from a small village, that's unknown. That's, mm -hmm. not, that's not happening. And when I get to college, God was testing me. I was like, God, um, what's going on? And back home in my country, I grew up learning to have faith in Christ. Hmm. We, have, we didn't have food. But I'm one of the guys in the community that always have food at, at night. Because I have this, this gift. Um, I get to, I put baby, babies to sleep. So when the babies are going crazy, they call me up. I was like, Tony, can you put my baby to sleep? And I was like, sure. I just grabbed the baby. And I don't know. And then... <laughs> They might need you in kids' ministry when we're yeah. done. So, so I just keep putting all the babies to sleep, and they, they keep using my services. And I, how I, I get paid by just uh, food every night. They'll call me, even if it's 10 o'clock, they'll be like, uh, we have food for Tony. He put our babies to sleep. And I get tons of food. And I have like five friends. They always hang out with me because they know at the end of the night, <laughs> I'm going to have food. And... They stick around, and I don't remember one night I didn't have food. Mm. My parents, I didn't even care about if they cook or not, because I know, and that was the way God was, was building my faith. And I went to college in, in Florida, and then food was there every day, and it just killing me. <laughs> I was like, Wait, I'm losing my faith, because wow. God is providing it now, and then it just... It bothers me, and, I, and, and then one night I pray, I was like, God, I don't want to lose my faith. I know you, you provide everything for me. I know you provide. I want to have that little feeling. It's so amazing just to test them every night. And he clearly spoke with me. He's like, Tony, there's bigger things there for you to do. And wow. I realized there's work to do. There are other people like me that needs my support. And there are people like, um, I need to speak like people like you guys to understand what, what amazing work God can do in, in, in a young child's life. And today, the community we'll be serving have so many Tonys, mm -hmm. so many boys and girls, and they are awesome. Um, they, they're really easy to love, and they have the same needs. They have the same, they can go to the same shame that I went through, mm. but God brings ways and God provided for them, for me, and I believe that you can pray for these kids. That's prayer. I have so many people who prayed for me. I received cards saying that they're praying for me while I was going to my journey with God. And you can do the same. And if you can do financial support, you do it. Physical, when you come on a team and you, you can only spend time praying with the child or the parents. You can bring so much to a child in Haiti through our work in, with World Hope. It's, it's beyond what you can imagine. Um, a lot of the time, I take all the credit after you leave because I get all the praise, well, thank you, Tony, but it's okay, you know, you get to support me, but you can do amazing life-touching to your ministry here, and I'm so glad to be here. I feel at home. Music is amazing. Uh, I can't say enough. It's just too much. It's awesome. I can sit here and listen to Tony all day. <laughs> Tony is an example of the type of chance that somebody gets when people like you believe that 
a child like him has a future and a purpose and a plan and our willingness to invest allows people like Tony to be where they are. Tony now works for World Hope. He is, is working for one of the best uh, uh, organizations in the world and he is actually uh, in charge of so much down in Haiti. He will be our point person. When we take teams, he will be the one working with us to take us to the village that we're gonna be working with. And I think it's, I'm just honored to have him here. Tony is smart and sharp and educated. He could have left Haiti and never went back. He could have built a, a life for himself here in America because as you can see how gifted he is. But his heart is for his people and building relationships with people like us helps him serve the people that he knows needs us desperately. So I'm, thank you for being here, Tony. I want to pray over him. So I'm asking him to stand up here with me. And if y'all would join my heart, join our hearts, I'm going to pray over Tony. Father, thank you for men like Tony. God, thank you that you have allowed our paths to cross. Thank you for the way that you're using him and the way that you're going to use him. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to build this relationship, God. I thank you for the anointing that is so evident over Tony's life, to use him for your glory, to use him in a way that's gonna make a difference in his home country. God, thank you for the opportunities that you're gonna give us to partner with him. And God, I pray that you would continue to protect him and guide him and give him a vision for the ministry you put on his heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you, man. Thank you so much for being here. I am so incredibly excited about the things that God is doing to give us an opportunity to meet needs. But I get overwhelmed because I think it seems to be so much. Like, even right now, like, I know you probably feel bombarded because we're talking about school supplies and child sponsorship and going on trips and all this kind of stuff. And, and then we're all like, how are we going to do this? And, and I go back to that passage in Acts where it said that there were no needy persons among them. And I look and I see the church showed us how. Check this out. So it said there was no needy persons among them for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. See, there is somewhere for us to go. There's something for us to give. There's someone for us to help. But if we're going to do it, there are sacrifices that have to be made. That it was the generosity of the individuals that made up the church. It was their willingness to make sacrifices that empowered the church to meet needs. And every time we present an initiative to you that gets us outside the walls of this church to meet a need in our community, we understand that it requires a sacrifice. For you to go out in this next week and put together this school supply list in order to meet the needs of these kids, we understand there, there's a sacrifice you're going to have to make. It may mean two less trips to Starbucks this week. There's a sacrifice that you're going to have to make. If you're going to sponsor a child, which is going to cost you around $40 a month, there's a sacrifice that you're going to have to make. But see, when the church owns the reason why God created it, that sacrifice is easy to make. Because we know the power that it has. That sacrifice, the sacrifice to give up every Tuesday night to lead, celebrate recovery, creates a story like Gerald White. The sacrifice to sponsor a child creates a story like Tony Correct. 
Like, I wanted you to see these faces because if we're going to be the church, the church as an organization can't be generous. It's something that the individuals that make it up have to make the decision to be. And I believe it's our responsibility. Check out this next passage of Scripture. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. What that says to me is when we have the availability, we have the responsibility. It's our responsibility. Because church, we live in a dark, broken world. And it's the church's job to be the light in it. And for far too long, we've stayed silent. We've stayed dark. Not anymore we will be that church we will be vintage Jesus said this you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? What do you need to do next? How do you need to respond? It's going to require sacrifice. What is God leading you to do? Is he calling you to stop by that table with world hope in the lobby and you and your family, a sponsor, a child, or two, or three, is he calling you to make some sacrifices this week so that random middle school, who's our responsibility to care for, will have the supplies they need so that our kids here locally can get the education they deserve? Is he calling you to volunteer and serve in some way? Is he calling you to show up here Tuesday night at Celebrate Recovery because you know you need to be there? Would you just take some time and seek the Lord individually, personally, and ask him, God, what do you want from me? in order to meet the needs of the people and be the light that you've called me to be. Father, I pray that you would use this time as we worship you to speak to your people, to challenge us and change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.